Welcome to the ENA Podcast with your host, Dan Campana. This is the ENA Podcast, and this is Dan Campana, the Director of Communications with the Emergency Nurses Association, welcoming you to the final episode of 2023. And we're going to finish it off the way that uh, we've done it a couple times this year. We're going to tell uh, a little bit of a story about an ED nurse doing what a lot of ED nurses happen to across in their daily lives. Uh, things happening out in the community where they're just uh, their natural instincts of being caregivers and responding kind of kick in. And, uh, you know, saving lives doesn't always happen just in the ED, as you know, as everybody's sort of familiar with. But we're going to hear a little bit about a, a story from July, actually, uh, with a nurse from from the Phoenix, Arizona area, Leanne Sondrup. Uh, she's been an ED nurse for about three years, but she had uh, quite a ride home from work uh, not too long ago. So, Leanne, welcome to the ENA podcast. Thanks for having me today. So, Leanne, let's just start with a little bit of your background. You mentioned beforehand that you've been in the ED for about three years, but uh, just a little bit of, uh, you know, your background in nursing and and what kind of brought you into the ED as a transition to practice? Well, I'm a little bit older, you know, getting started. My goal was to uh, be done with school by the time I was 50, and I finished at 48. So I came into nursing with more life experience than practical experience. Um, uh, initially, I finished up my uh, schooling doing my capstone in the ED and knew that was where I wanted to be and had uh, talked with the manager at the time. And she's like, yeah, we'd love to have you. Let me know. Well, when push came to shove, I, uh, you know, reached out to her and she's like, I've got nothing right now. And so I ended up applying to a teaching hospital, got a job on a pulmonary complex wound floor, um, very busy floor. Uh, different than most med surge and that, you know, constantly moving. So it, it kind of set that pace that now I'm used to. And then uh, transition from there to uh, burn. And um, like the fresh burns, the new burns that came in through our burn ED, um, but just didn't care for the day in, day out uh, monotony of it. And you know, being a kind of an adrenaline junkie and wanting to be busy, transition to the ED and have been there. And, you know, even on those days when we get our butts kicked, it it's you come home tired and but, you know, that's where you're supposed to be. And I like you never knowing what's going to walk through the door. It's a great transition. You mentioned adrenaline junkie and, you know, just what the day can do to you, do to you. And so back in July, uh, I understand you're coming home from a night shift and, you're in that, uh, perhaps in that little bit of a wind down phase, but imagine the adrenaline kicked up pretty quickly for you when you spotted what you spotted. So walk us through uh, what was different about this ride home that particular night or morning, I should say. So, so that morning, I, I think I was coming off four or five days. Can't, can't really remember, you know, exactly, but was supposed to be leaving the, the following morning to catch a flight to Texas to visit my daughter. And, um, you know, had been hoping to get off early. You know, sometimes things slow down enough that that's a possible ability to get cut loose. And it, it happened. You know, things had gotten slow. And uh, all of a sudden, I look over and my partner kind of, I'm like, what are you doing? She's hand, giving handoff. And I'm like, she's like, oh, I'm going home. And I'm like, you're going home early? So I was a little bit salty that I was the one that had gotten stuck there because I'm like, I had asked to go home. What the heck? You know, so you know, stay till, you know, seven, a little after seven, you know, gave report. 
Well, my flight was leaving at 7.30 and I, I knew I was, I was just so tired. I, I was wiped. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just sit here in the break room and wait until 7.30 to check in for my flight. I never wait till 7.30, you know, like, especially if you're tired, it's like we, we, when we're done, we can kind of go. Sat there till 7.30, you know, clocked into my flight and then clocked out and walked out. And I think the importance of that is, you know, this was not a normal time for me to be leaving. And um, I, I'm a real believer in things happen for a reason. And that, you know, sometimes I, 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 I believe in, you know, God. And sometimes I feel like he directs our paths and he uses us for his purposes. And so um, as I was driving home, you know, it's pretty, pretty straight, even, even drive. But right now I've got an area that has quite a bit of construction going on and I drive by the airport. And as I'm driving, I notice this big cloud, you know, which initially I thought was smoke. And then as I'm looking, I'm like, no, that's, that's more like dust in the air. And I can kind of see off in the distance. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I see that there had been a, a, a cement truck and I'm like, oh, that cement truck's on its side. You know, I'm a little dense after four nights and uh, trying to, you know, like, I think he gave me plenty of time to comprehend everything that was going on, like spoon fed it to me initially. And as I got even closer, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this just happened. And at that point, I'm like, I have to stop that nobody's there. You know, I could tell that nobody, you know, there was no EMS or anything. And so I pulled over into the Gore Point, which is a section between where where. Uh, the freeway merges onto, or another area of freeway merges onto the one I was on. And so I pull over, grab some gloves. You know, I've always got an extra, you know, dozen or whatever in my car because, you know, I empty my pockets and I have a few there and <laughs> grab my phone and, and hop out. And I, I even left my car running. And I remember thinking, do I leave my car running? Do I not? You know, but it, I did. And I'm like, who's going to steal it at this point? But so I get out and I, I'm, I'm trying to cross basically two lanes of oncoming traffic that's merging onto this freeway. And I'm like the whole time, like, don't get hit, don't get hit, don't get hit. And there was this huge break where there was not a single car coming. And I'm like, okay, this is your time. And so I started running and hopped over this wall. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I, I will run for two things. Well, one thing, zombie apocalypse, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't enjoy running, you know, uh, I did it when I played sports and that's, you know, it's no, not my thing. So I thought, Leanne, you better slow down. You don't want to get over there and not be able to breathe, you know, kind of thing. So, so I hop over walking fast on the phone with uh, EMS or, you know, 911 at this time, trying to give them location and that, and that kind of thing. And as I'm walking up, there's a couple men standing there, you know, with their phones out as well. And, you know, quick scene assessment is this uh, cement truck is laying on its side. The back half of it's taken out the retaining wall um, and it's pouring out concrete as well as diesel. And the front, the cab itself is resting on top of the retaining wall. And, um, you know, you can't really see what's going on. And so I just kind of shouted out, I'm like, look, you guys keep an eye on this. Um, you know, if anything changes, anything moves, sparks, whatever, you need to let me know, you know, we, we need to be safe, you know, because ultimately at the end of the day, we can't come back to do our jobs if we're not alive to do them. 
and and it goes same for people out in the community you know we want to save people we want to help people but if it's not safe for you to do that you shouldn't yeah, yeah. you know and and i think that's more than anything something to remember um i you know after this accident in fact we had a young man that came in to our trauma bay that had stopped to help an accident and ended up losing his life because he ended up getting hit so you know things happen and, and i just feel really grateful that that nothing you know changed at my scene but anyway i crawl underneath and i can see this guy he his legs are like basically at a 45 degree angle one is up in the truck you know uh vertical to the ground or horizontal to the ground sorry and the other one is kind of standing there i can't see any of his upper body because he's kind of resting against the top of the cab um, seatbelt is still attached and so initial assessment he was able to talk to me he was a and o times four um you know so i know he's got an airway and uh you know disability is good so you know then you move on to your situation which the leg that was up in the cab i could see the tib tibula and fibula sticking out could not see a foot attached at that point um didn't see any real bleeding coming from that area you know you know what's happening but but his uh left leg which was the vertical was pouring out blood from his thigh he had a huge open open wound area and so you know you're like okay what what do i do now you know it's it's really too big for direct pressure and just given the way that he's standing and um you know you go back to what do i have available to me Sure. And um, I called out, I'm like, can somebody give me a belt? You know, that's, that's what we've got. And thankfully, I had men that wore pants that needed belts. And somebody gave me a belt, and I was able to apply that and just kind of cinch it really tight and stop that bleeding initially. Um, I was still on the phone with uh, 911. And so when you apply a tourniquet, it's important to mark the time you know, because time is tissue and you only have a limited amount of time before you're gonna have tissue death if you don't have circulation going to that area. And so uh, I just said, hey, mark this time, I'm applying a tourniquet now. And they're like, oh, okay. And so I ended up hanging up with her, talked with this guy, you know, what's your name, where you're born, you know, or, you know, birth date and any, any history, any allergies, any medications you take on a regular basis, because I knew we probably weren't going to have him alert for long and I wanted to get that information because I figured he would be going to my hospital um, as we're we we take a lot of uh, people from the airport I was at the airport essentially yeah. so as soon as I got that information and stuff I actually called my charge nurse and just said hey Steph this is what's going on we're, I'm, I've got a guy with a tourniquet he's probably going to be coming to us I gave him name birthday you know just passed on the information and she's like, uh, oh, okay, <laughs> we hang up. And, you know, going back later, what I found out was she was actually in the trauma bay at the time, uh, going over the MTP, our, our uh, mass transfuser with somebody. And so they were able to get that out, get that ready, um, you know, for, for this guy to come in kind of thing. And then somebody, else, she told somebody, she's like, I got the weirdest call from Leanne, something about, you know, um, a tourniquet, you know, and stuff. And that nurse, she goes, I kind of was like, what kind of nurse is Leanne that she's carrying around a tourniquet, you know? <laughs> but uh, 
you know, you use what you have. So talking with this guy, you know, I've got, got that applied, you know, l less bleeding's happening. So now I'm, I'm going through what's my next, what, what do we do next, you know? And as an emergency a nurse, you usually have a team with you that they know everybody has a role, you know, kind of thing. And, and we all just kind of, you know, move or in sync and, or, you, you know, you, you do this, I'll do this. Kind of, well, there's nobody, you know, there to do that role with me. So it was me directing, you know, the, the men around me or whatever. And um, so I'm like, told this guy, just go to my car, get my scissors, bring them back to me. So he went off, grabs the scissors because I thought at the time that this guy's leg was hung up because of his pants. That's what it looked like. So comes back, got his pants, cut them. And I went to lift his leg because, you know, if I can get him out of there, you know, I don't know at what point he's going to become really unstable, unresponsive. And, you know, he was, tr he was basically holding himself up in this cab um, up against the roof and he would shift his weight and things would fall. And, you know, I'm like, what happens if he just passes out? You know, I, he's a big guy. I'm not going to be able to hold him in there, you know, cause I was kind of wedging my shoulder up against him to, to try and keep him in there. And, um, you know, talking to him a little bit. So we cut back the pants and I go to lift his leg, you know, with that exposed uh, tibia fib. And I, as I reach in the cab, I can feel the back of his foot or his foot. And I can't see it. I don't know if it's crushed in there, but it's, I know it's still attached. And I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't get him out, you know, without, you know, losing everything. So I'm like, all right, we're just going to hang out here, you know, in this, in this position and, you know, keeping an eye on that, that bleeding uh, from the tourniquet, you know, if, if more started to come out, I would just pull it tighter again. Um, we're talking, the guy's like, he's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die today. And there's few things about me. I, I'm not a liar and I don't want to tell somebody something just to make them feel good. Um, my poor kids, you know, <laughs> growing up, I, I never, I never blew smoke up their skirt. I never told them things that weren't true. You know, if maybe they won, you know, at their event, but if they didn't put in their full effort, I'm like, well, but you, did you do your best? You know, you won. Yeah, great. But did you do your best? So, so when this guy is like telling me he's going to die, all of a sudden out of my mouth said, no, you're, no, you're not, not today. And I thought, why are you saying this, Leanne? You, you know, I, because normally I would say, you know what, we're going to do our best to take care of you. You're going to be in good hands. You know, that, that would be my normal thing. But I was like emphatic, you are not dying today. And I'm like, in my heart, I'm like, you know what, if I can get him to my hospital, he's, we're going to, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. And um, he asked us to call his wife. So I'm kind of relaying the number, you know, to the, the, the bystanders, you know, Hey, somebody called this number, you know, so he's given it to me and, um, you know, we get a, we don't get a hold of his wife. We get a message. And so I said, you know, tell her we're taking him to this hospital, gave the address. So at least she had something to reference, you know, that yeah. that's where he was going to be. And, um, anyway, you know, time, time stands still when you're out in the community doing, you know, 
I can only imagine. I was, was going to, I was going to ask you about that in the moment. It probably just feels like it's going on forever, but you know, what, oh. what is the actual time duration once you kind of had a chance to reflect because you, you did make notation of the, the tourniquet time and things like that. Um, what, what was the actual real time that you found out later on of, of everything that's gone on I, through that process? You know, I've never gotten an exact time. I think it was about 10 minutes. Um, okay. You know, there's, you know, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get an exact, ever get an exact, exact time on it. Um, so where we were was kind of an awkward spot to get to. You either had to be heading westbound, <clears throat> excuse me, had to be heading westbound towards the airport to get onto this, you know, on-ramp, or you had to be coming through the airport going eastbound. So it it just wasn't a clear area to be able to um, assess. And, and so, um, and in fact, later I was kind of chiding one of the uh, uh, firefighters, one of the captains. I'm like, man, what took you guys forever? And, and he said, oh, you know, EMS, uh, they don't always give us the best directions. We were told that it was um, eastbound from the airport, you know, and yeah, it just was just an awkward spot to get to. But anyway, uh, one of when the firefighters finally got there, you know, he pop, somebody pops underneath and I give him a quick, you know, this is what's going, you know, he goes, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not part of this, you know, just this, this guy here and gave him a quick, um, you know, assessment of what had gone on, what I had done. And he's like, okay, I'll be right back. And I'm like thinking you're leaving me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, wait a minute here. My, my job's supposed to be over. I just gave handoff, you know, <laughs> and, uh, Anyway, so he comes back with a tourniquet and we, you know, work in tandem to get it up over this guy's leg. Um, it was very obvious, too, that he had a femur fracture, um, you know, but this guy never once complained about pain, which, you know, you know, he's in shock. Yeah. And, um, you know, but at that point, he was still uh, alert, probably not as awake as he had been. But we get the, the tourniquet applied and the the firefighter goes, okay, you know, you're basically cut me loose. You get out of here. You know, we've got this and stuff because the, the heavy metal people were in there and were looking to, to cut away the roof. So I went out and kind of sitting on the top of the, the hill, just watching everything transpire, cut them out. And they got them out of there really fast. Like I would probably say within a couple minutes of, of uh, me getting out of there, they had them out, had them on a gurney and, and kind of swept them away. You know, so I took a picture of just the turned over cement truck and my brothers and I, I have three, three brothers, no, no sisters. So just me, but, um, we're pretty close. And so I sent them a picture and just said, yeah, work was kind of slow last night. Needed to, to find, you know, <laughs> find some, some, uh, some business and just left it at that. And, you know, talked with DPS and, and talked with, um, the, the captain and he he said, you know, looks at me and, and he goes, did you you apply that tourniquet? And in my brain, you know, when anybody questions what you do, sometimes you're like, am I in trouble? Did I do something wrong? You know, and and I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. And he goes, you know, you saved this guy's life. And I'm like, oh, you, you think so? And he goes, no, you, you saved this guy's life. And I'm like, OK. You know, it it's just it's what we do. Yeah. You know, it. it, it 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 didn't I didn't even like really think 
it's just you're in the moment and it's like you you go down the list airway breathing circulation disability you, you know all of it and it's just kind of ingrained um instincts training and and you know experience all kind of kick in all together and it's fueled by that adrenaline uh, in that moment yeah. so the question that always you know comes up you know when i've done stories or talked to people you know both who are in healthcare and and other first responders who get into these life-saving situations that are fairly austere you know not expected you know come up out of nowhere uh, you talk about sitting up on the hill there when does your adrenaline dump start to happen where you're you're now you're starting to process that you just did all of this you know like you said on your own you know with none of the tools of the trade that you would normally have in the ed without the team that you have in the ed when does all that start to run through your mind and you know is this before you try to cross traffic again to back get back to your car or uh, what, what are those few minutes after they've taken uh, taken this guy off to the hospital what are those like for you well so you know, we're, we're, I'm standing there with the men that had, you know, been there to kind of assist me. And um, one of them goes, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you were here. I, I, we didn't know what to do, yeah. you know. And, and it's like I was, a, I was a lifeguard for forever, you know, from the time I was probably 15, 16 years old. Took CPR. Never used CPR. I've never used CPR out in the community, okay. you know. But, but how many times do we, we do CPR? with the intent that we may never need to use it. Um, I took the stop the bleed class at my, my first hospital, you know, will I use it? Will it, won't I use it? Maybe. Um, I thought maybe, you know, hiking or something, somebody falling, you know, that type of thing, but you take it and it, I, I call them tools in my toolbox. You know, every, every bit of education that I learn, it's a tool in my toolbox that, you know, someday I may need to pull out or it may just sit there and get dusty. Um, but I think that's the important thing to pass on is, you know, you don't have to be an emergency room nurse um, to, to render basic first aid. You know, I mean, this is a, this is a little bit beyond that, yeah. but stop the bleed is available to anybody to take, um, you know, so other people can have those tools in their toolbox, you know, and um, hemorrhagic shock is, is something that's reversible or something that, that can, um, we can work on out in the community to save lives, you know, um, just stopping that bleeding. Um, you know, so anybody can do that. Uh, you know, those, those things are available to just the layman to take as well. I mean, I was blessed that, you know, I had that skill set that I was able to, to look and see um, what was going on and, and be able to act appropriately. Uh, it's a great message though, know, when you talk about, you know, what, what is available, you know, CPR being such a, a common thing for all of us, you know, as we've grown up, but Stop the Bleed being a more recent uh, opportunity and AED training being a more recent opportunity to, for everyday people to at least have the ability to make a difference, even if it just buys a little bit of time until next level care, EMS or otherwise can, can get involved. So that's you know a great message that comes out of this as someone who does this professionally. You are in an ED and you see how these things can make a difference. If you know somebody got a little help elsewhere before they got to you, um, whatever the circumstances may be. When you um, speaking of getting back to your ED, certainly you know there's some stories probably floating around about you know what you you know certainly you made a phone call in to you know alert them that this patient was going to be on his way at some point. 
But uh, what, what do you, uh, what's the feedback that you get when people start to hear your story? And I, you got a little bit of attention, you know, your story is spread out uh, uh, across some media, um, you know, ED nurses are modest. So what, what's the environment like uh, once you, you're back at work and people are starting to pick up on this and you're getting a little bit of razzing, you're getting some you know, pats on the back. What's, what was it like? I've been bullied. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy because a number of people are like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have stopped. And I'm like, you wouldn't have really, you know, I find that hard to believe, but, but it, I, I've been getting gotten teased, you know, uh, I, some people walk in, they're like, I need a hero, you know, <laughs> and uh, it, you know, it's not something that I, I wear out there as far as like, oh, this is, you know, it, yeah, it is just, it's even that, that day. So, like I said, I had called my, or I'd sent a message to my brothers and my one brother called me like, you know, when I was driving and I had him on speakerphone. He's like, what, what happened? I haven't even told, I haven't even told my husband any of this. So he knows nothing of this. Right. <laughs> and anyway, so I'm talking to my brother and he's like, oh my gosh, Leanne, you know, that's, that's amazing. And my dad, my dad was, you know, my dad was my hero. Sorry, I'm going to probably get a little tear here, but he did amazing things. Like he put out a fire in our neighborhood one time at, in a house um, that we found out later had um, ammunition and stuff in it. And my dad had the bottom of his feet burned, you know, doing that. Um, you know, my, my dad was a scoutmaster for, for years and just taught preparedness you know he he raised you know boys to be men and taught them skills to to do you know do things um and you know thinking about my dad I'm like my dad would have been so proud um and my mom and my stepdad were killed in an accident and um at that time you know people just your common normal people stopped to render aid and you know, it didn't make a difference that day. Nothing would have made a difference that day. But I'm appreciative of the people that did stop and, and try and do something. But um, anyway, sorry, that was totally off this, off that topic. But my brother posted um, the picture that I had sent him and just wrote something on Facebook about how he was proud of me. And, um, you know, just just what a badass I was, I think was his terminology. <laughs> And uh, anyway, one of his friends worked for a local news station and reached out to Dave and said, yeah, we heard there was a nurse on the scene. You know, that's your sister. And he's like, yeah. And he said, you know, do you think she'd be willing to do an interview? And my brother right away said, yep, she'll do it. And so he called me up. He goes, hey, um, so-and-so is going to be reaching out to you. I told them you would do an interview. And I said, Dave, you know, like, no, it's fine. I just whatever. And he's like, Leanne, no people need to know that there's good in this world, you know, and that you guys, you guys go through so much and you guys do amazing things. They need to know, know this. And I'm like, he goes, anyway, I told him you would. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so uh, that's how this whole, you know, thing, thing started uh, just kind of blown up. But yeah. the, the recognition for just this this particular incident, but also who you represent in terms of you know emergency care, uh, ED nurses, ED physicians, people that would you know likely do this no matter what the circumstances, because you see it and you respond and you react. And 
I imagine that's also part of the reason why the Phoenix Fire Department honored you with their life-saving award. I mean, that's got to be a, a, a night. I mean, I'm sure you know a fair number of those folks because they come through the ED, through the EMS side of things fairly often. But uh, just, you know, what was that recognition like for you to know that these people who are out saving lives out, you know, uh, out in the world are doing this sort of thing and, and they're representing you know their side of EMS, but they're also recognizing somebody from from your part of of, of the the continuum and for doing something that was certainly beyond beyond your average call of duty. Right. Well, and that's I well, and I I actually gave some of my guys a bad time because where it was located should have been some of the people I knew, you know, coming <laughs> through there. You know, and I'm like, what? Where were you? Why were you not there that day? And they're like, oh, we were doing this other call and stuff. You know. Um, I, I love my firefighters. I have such, uh, respect and, and admiration for them. Um, the stuff that they do, and I'll say nonsense that they deal with day in, day out, because a lot of the stuff that they bring in is not emergent, you know, but they are required to go out and assist the community, whether it's an emergency or not. Um, you know, get woken up in the middle of the night because somebody has eyes that are watering, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. some of the stuff they bring in, I'm like, really? And they're like, we, we, we have to, I'm like, I know, I know you guys do, but uh, just good people, you know, that, that want to make a difference. And um, they, they don't see themselves as heroes um, any more than I see myself as a hero. It's, it's just, it's our job. It's, it's what we do. Um, How do you explain what that sensation is like to know that it's not really a conscious decision to decide whether you're going to go do this or not. It's you saw it and you knew you're going to go do it. How do you explain that to people who would say, well, I wouldn't stop, or I don't know what I would do that really, you don't have a choice, right? It's your, your instincts are telling you someone needs help. You're going to go help. Getting into nursing was never something that I wanted to do. It wasn't like, you know, some people are like, oh, I always knew I wanted to be a nurse. And and that was not me. Um, I really feel like my Heavenly Father has directed my path at the timing that I went to school, you know, my life experiences that I brought before that, um, the things that have occurred, um, you know, just with my own parents passing and, and, and those various things throughout my my short career as it's been there have definitely been times where i know that i have been where i was supposed to be whether it was being floated to a different floor um you know transitioning to different jobs um situations things that happened have reaffirmed to me like this is where you're supposed to be i mean even recently i you know nursing has has gotten a black eye we've been beat up and we have been hurt through this covid nonsense and a lot of people have left the profession because because of the way they feel you know and even I you know so they're just after a while you you have burnout and fatigue and there was a particular night you know probably two months prior to this incident where I just I just was like why am I doing this I'm, I'm you know am I making a difference it just it's so mundane and routine sometimes and um, you know, you just kind of question what, what is your purpose? Why are you there? And I work far enough away, close, but far enough away from where I live that typically I'm not going to run into anybody I know in my hospital, which I, I want it that way. I don't want to have to d- deal with, see people that I know that have been hurt. It's, it's easier to be removed from a situation if you don't have any uh, emotional attachments to it. 
And so that particular night, I was just, eh, you know, didn't want to be there. And I got put into an assignment that is, is super uh, just fatiguing. It's just a lot of, you know, mundane day in and out work. And as I'm getting a report, they're telling me about this, this girl uh, that had been involved in a, an accident that drove a special needs bus. Well, I drove a bus for years. Um, you know, it was a great, great job when my kids were in school because I just did field trips. And so I would be able to go see them on their field trips. And so I thought, oh, I wonder if I know this person. And so I looked and sure enough, I did. It was, it had been one of my coworkers and I said, oh my gosh, I said, I know this girl. And she's like, you do? And I'm like, yeah, let's go back there. So we go back and, you know, the other nurse starts talking to, to this colleague of mine and, um, and Fernay, you know, didn't, didn't see me in there. And so she's talking to the other nurse and all of a sudden she looks at me and she's like, Oh my gosh, Leanne, it's you, you're here. You're, I, I'm going to be okay now. And you know what? It was that what I needed my cup filled and yeah. it was that, that filling of my cup and knowing that I, I was supposed to be in that um, assignment that night that I was supposed to get her as a patient. And so I think for me, it's those aha moments where, you know, you realize, yes, I did make a difference. Yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. I, I believe, you know, in a loving Heavenly Father that answers prayers through people. And um, whether it was being in that assignment that night with, with my friend Frenet or um, being in the right place at the right time to be able to help this young man, I feel like he uses me to be able to answer prayers and to help people. And that is why I, I can still do this job, you know, day in, day out. Um, those little affirmations that, you know, you made a difference and, you know, somebody's better because you touched their lives. And um, it's a hard thing to, uh, you know, in between those moments, it, it can get fatiguing and stuff, but it's those, those quiet reassurances that, I am where I'm supposed to be that allows me to get up and do my job every day. Um, well, you definitely, I am honored. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. I'm, I'm honored to be in this profession with just such amazing people. And like, you know, like I said earlier, I knew that if I could get that young man to my hospital, that he would be okay. You know, I know the work ethic that I, I work with. I know the lengths that we go to, to, to save people's lives. And, and I also believe that when it's your time, it's your time. And, um, you know, no matter what we do, no matter how hard we work, sometimes it doesn't work out, but you know what, in this instance, it did the, the call that they got when they patched in about the trauma was like, we're bringing a, a 30 something unstable patient. And that, and that's what they got. That, that was, that was the whole report. They didn't even have blood pressure on him at the time when he arrived to the trauma bay, his blood pressure was 50 over palp. He had no femoral pulses and had a GCS of three. So things, things spiraled down real quick once they got him out of there. And the fact that I was able to go and visit him that afternoon um, in the ICU, you know, and, and just kind of like gently talk to him, you know, he opened his eyes he knew who I was like, you know, I mean, he, he was trying to say something and I said, you know what, you're in good hands. You're going to be okay. And then I was able to go back and see him a week later after he'd been downgraded. And, you know, this young man said, I don't know why I'm here. 
And my response to him was, you know what? I don't either, but you get a lifetime to figure that out. And, you know, I, I hope that, that he, you know, can do something great with his life too, you know, kind of pay it forward type thing. Um, well, definitely. But, you've you've shown the make a difference part of this, uh, even though you said that uh, you typically are not someone that uh, is going to make promises that you can't keep or uh, you're not going to blow smoke at people. You instinctively said to this guy, uh, you're going to make it. And there you got to have that moment with him, you know, later on that he did make it. And uh, certainly that's, you know, that's a great you know ending to this story, no matter what, is that uh, you however, whatever puts you where you were supposed to be in that moment, that you did make that, uh, make that promise come through to him. And, you know, yeah. the continuum of care is what helped him through. So, you know, Leanne, I, I appreciate you spending some time with us here on the ENA podcast, sharing your story, and, and even more so sharing some of the, the perspectives that you have about life, about ED nursing, and definitely the trajectory of what uh, emotions that you go through when something like this happens. And, just kind of, like you said, filling your cup up and having those moments where you're reminded of what you do. So thanks for being a part of the podcast today. Hey, I appreciate you reaching out. Absolutely. And it, like I said earlier, this was the final episode of 2023. So I want to thank everybody who uh, has downloaded and listened to the podcast throughout the year. I'm happy to say that the podcast set a milestone this year with more than 50,000 unique downloads, which in the vast world of podcasts, I don't know what that amounts to, but in the four or five years that we've been doing the podcast, it's uh, exciting to see how it's grown. Uh, it's exciting to uh, have people excited when I reach out to them to want to be a part of it and to interview them, whatever it might be. And, and certainly we try to cover a lot of territory here from stories like Leanne's to news and information about what's going on with ENA and uh, episodes like our most recent one prior to this, where we're talking a little bit about just, you know, the nature of the ED and teamwork and, and both clinical and non-clinical pieces to the puzzle. So I appreciate everybody who has tuned into the podcast throughout 2023 and in the years prior, and uh, we'll see, maybe we can set a new milestone in 2024. So thank you for tuning into the podcast throughout the year, and we look forward to you coming back and joining the ENA podcast for our first episode of 2024, not too far down the road. To learn more about ENA or to become a member, visit ena.org backslash membership.